0: So, the main thing that makes you dread the pivot is because here we get a real deal, we get a real stuff, And you don't just wake up and stand before people
1: that are feeding well, they have been nourished, and then you come here and play your games. So, that was one of the things that made me
0: feel uh, and dread the puppet.
1: Um, this morning, I didn't bring any new message. In fact, I'm just carrying on where Pastor Sunga left off last
0: week. How many of us remember what he was hearing on? Anyone? Yes? Yeah. Yes, there can only be one God in our lives. And one of the main emphases
1: was on the, uh, the message that God gave to the church of Laodicea uh, about the of the church. And emphasised emphasized that there's no middle ground. You have to make a decision whether you're going to follow God or you're going to be in the middle. God does not want us to be in the middle. And I believe that whenever the Lord repeats something, it means that that it's serious. And that is what is on his heart. That is an emphasis. It's as if he's writing it in bold letters. So this morning, I'll continue uh, uh, with the message. But mine is coming from the book of Hebrews. I pretty much took the whole of it. Um, but I will concentrate mainly on a number of things, and the title of my message this morning is the Warnings and Exhortations from the Book of Hebrews, the Warnings and the uh, Exhortations, Encouragements from the Book of Hebrews. Please turn with me to the Book of Hebrews. Um we will start from the very uh, first chapter, um, especially the second chapter. Mainly, in this book, there are five, uh, more than five exhortations. I would have loved to go through all of them, but because of time, I will only concentrate on just but a few. Uh, Let me just highlight some of the uh, the warnings uh, the first warning we find it in the book of Hebrews chapter two uh, from verse one to four i'll just go through all of them and then i'll come back and uh, look at them in detail. The first warning is warning against drifting away the warning against drifting away and um, the second one is more or less like it it's about against the warning against unbelief and this is in chapter 3 from verse 7 the warning against unbelief and the third warning which I don't think I will get to that level but I will just mention it, it's the warning against immaturity the warning against immaturity where the writer clearly says you are slow to learn You ought to be teachers by now. Meaning that there has not been growth since you came to know the Lord. And then there's this fourth warning. This is a warning against falling away. Warning against falling away. The one that talks about you testing the goodness of the Lord. And what happened? Why are you going back? I don't think we have enough time to get to do that. And then there's the fifth warning. It's a warning against refusing God. This one is in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14. This one talks about you not allowing uh, the bitter root grow up. This bitter root that cause uh, trouble, the bitter root that cause uh, many to defile; uh, they, they defiles many. So uh, it's just a picture of what I'm going to share. And to add on to that, there'll be exhortations, there'll be encouragement from the same book. Hallelujah! How many of you are excited? I just want to allow your passion to read this book again. It's one of those books that is fully packed—a book we need at this particular time. Hallelujah. Who was the writer writing this book to? This book was mainly uh, directed to the Jewish Christians. These Jewish Christians were undergoing persecution and discouragement. So he writes to challenge them. One, to hold on to their confession of Jesus Christ. He writes to encourage them to go on to spiritual maturity. Not to continue drinking milk as babies, but to go on to spiritual maturity. Number three, he writes to them uh, to encourage them not to turn back to condemnation by abandoning their faith in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Why am I taking time to give you this background? I want you to identify with this audience. The the author had in mind the Jewish Christians. We as Christians of today we are also facing so many challenges. Things Things that make us to question God. Where is God when all these things are happening? From 2019 the end of 2019 2020 up to this very day the whole world is struggling with the issue of COVID-19 and you start questioning God where are you what are you doing about this we are also through going through some discouraging moments and some of us have even lost our loved ones to COVID how hard can it get And uh, as you think about this and then you see the Hebrew writer who the Bible does not identify by name. The author of this book is not known. But he was writing to a people that were feeling discouraged. They were going through persecutions. When you, you read this book, you will understand the audience that he was writing to. We face so many challenges today. Some are going through financial hardships. Some have prayed for a long time for their spouse to change. But the more they pray, the the harder it gets. It's as if the prayer is making them worse. What do you do? If If you decide to give up, people will understand you. Because it feels like you're not praying to a God who is living. A God who answers prayer. It's taking too long. You start to question his promises. You start to question his power. Especially the pandemic has made a lot of people to question God's power. Where is he? What is he doing about this situation? These are little situations. These are little things that is going to uh, we are going to discover from the book of uh, Hebrews what the, Hebrew, uh, the the writer wanted his uh, audience or the, the, the readers to learn and how they ought to behave. So let's go straight to the reading of Hebrews chapter 2. Verse 1, where we find the first warning. Warning against drifting away. We must pay more attention, therefore, to what we have heard, so that we do not drift away. For if the message spoken by the angels by angels, was binding, and every violation and disobedience received its just punishment, how shall we escape? If we ignore such a great salvation. This salvation which was first announced by the Lord. Was confirmed to us by those who heard him. God also testified to it by signs, wonders and various miracles. And gifts of the Holy Spirit. Distributed according to his will. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You look at this verse, the first verse, and pick up some key words there. The key words that I found says we must pay more attention or careful attention. That's the key word there. And the other key word is do not drift away. There's another key word in verse 3. If we ignore such a great salvation. So the word is ignore. If you try to find the meaning of these words, the key words, you will get to understand what the writer is trying to put across. You will get to appreciate what he is trying to uh, tell us. Because now this book is for us. And the way he writes this book, he includes himself. He does not say you, but he says we. We must pay more attention, including himself. Why? Because you know any Christian is susceptible to drifting away. There is no one who is strong enough to stand on their own. There is that possibility in us of drifting away, especially when you are praying for something that you seem, seem not to be answered you tend to get discouraged. So, he says, we, and he continually addresses we, we, let us. You find throughout this book, he is included because he is man and you know he also can uh, drift away. So he says, pay more attention to what we've heard. If you want to understand what he's talking about, you have to find time to go back to chapter 1. Chapter 1 is is telling us about the Son being superior to the angels. The Son being superior to to those that announced uh, uh, the word of God before him. Moses and all the prophets. Throughout this book, it shows the superiority of Jesus. The supremacy that is above all. He is the creator. And he is not just the creator. He is also the sustainer of life. He did not just create the world and abandon it. He continues to sustain it. So if you want to really appreciate because this verse says we must pay more attention therefore. Therefore, it means something is coming from somewhere. That word therefore is, not, is, is an indication that what he's saying, what we have heard is what has been spoken in chapter 1. So take your time and read this chapter on your own. I mean the entire book so he says, pay more careful attention. What does it mean to pay more careful attention? Um, most of us who love soccer, those that love soccer, especially the men, if your wife came to me while you are watching soccer and it's your favorite team and is telling you something very important, you may be nodding, but your eyes will be on the screen. Are you paying attention? And the wife should not get surprised when next time you ask what were you saying?
0: How did that go? Why they were not paying close attention? Is it that um, that's how God
1: feels about us when he's talking to us? We don't give him our full attention. We worry about this and that and that. And by the time we, we want to understand what he was trying to say, he's there waiting and surprised, wondering what you were thinking, where your head was. So paying attention is focused listening. You, you focus. You focus on what the person is saying. If the doctor was talking to you and telling you about your health and uh, the danger that you are in. I'm sure you would pay attention. I'm sure you will not be on your WhatsApp WhatsApping while your, the doctor is talking to you. Can you do that? Are you really serious? The problem, you will start WhatsApping it's because you know what the person is saying is not important. So you don't give it full attention. But the writer says, we must pay full attention. We must... Pay more careful attention. I wish I could read the other versions. That talks about this, uh, I mean, how they have used the words, uh, uh, I mean, the, what the other versions say. Does anyone have a different version from mine? Pay
0: more, uh, pay more careful attention. Any, anyone with a different version? Hallelujah. We must give the more earnest heed. Any other version? Yes. Amen. We should be... Engaged and attentive
1: to the truth we have heard. Each, of one, each one of us has heard the truth. That's why you are here. But are you still paying attention? And the, the reason why he wants us to pay attention is because he doesn't want us to drift away. What does it mean to drift away? When you, you, you are, it's when you are going the wrong direction. It's when you are moving from something good to something bad. You are not paying close attention. You are WhatsApping. You are texting while driving. What will be the end result? You will drift away. And what will be the
0: result of drifting your way? You can crash. you You can have an accident. So,
1: it is something that you do slowly, gradually, there is nothing that happens uh, by accident. You don't just wake up and say, oops, I've committed adultery. It doesn't happen that way. It's a process. It's a gradual process when you stop paying attention to what the word of God says. You don't just get uh, to find yourself involved in corruption. It's a long process. It means you have stopped paying close attention to what the word of God is saying. Hallelujah. It means you you are losing your first love. You are not where you're supposed to be. You are slowly losing interest in the things of God. You are slowly uh, trying to justify all the reasons and excuses you have for not paying attention. So, drifting away. Uh, there's a song by Casting Clowns. Uh, it's an song. It says, Slow Fade. How many have heard that song? It's a slow fade. It's a slow fade. When you give yourself away, there's a, there's a point where it says, Daddies don't just clamber in a day, kingdoms don't just clamber in a day. It's been happening, things were happening. People were drifting away slowly. This past week, or is it the first week or the other week, we heard about uh, the divorce of a billionaire family after 27 years. Did it just happen? Do you think it happened? So someone was, uh, was asking. Sometimes reasons for divorce may be maybe the money is not providing enough. But those people have money. They have money. They are filthy rich. COVID-19. They pumped in a lot of money to support the cause of COVID-19. And yet, today, they are telling us they cannot grow altogether. What is wrong? Did it just happen in 2021? No, it started way back. They started drifting away from each other. Hallelujah. And last month, the Kyungo Bridge in Kalonga collapsed. It collapsed to the point that there were loss of lives. Did that bridge just collapse? I'm sure something was happening, but it was not being detected. The strength of that bridge, it was losing its strength by and by, but no one detected what was happening. So in the end, unfortunately, we had to lose some lives. What is the danger of drifting away? He says in verse verse 3, how shall we escape if we ignore such a great salvation? This salvation, which was first announced by the Lord and was confirmed to us by those who heard him. When you ignore when you start ignoring God to ignore me it means to stop paying attention stop caring neglecting you don't want anyone to you don't want people to bother you any, anymore you start sleeping away innocently you start missing church you start drifting away from the people that can speak life into you hallelujah You know, the devil doesn't want you to get to heaven. He doesn't want you to live right. He doesn't want you to love God and save him. That's why the word of God in 1 Peter 5 verse 18, he says the enemy doesn't, uh, I mean, he's roaring like a roaring lion. He's actually deliberately walking around, seeking whom he may devour. And he says, resist him. When you start drifting away, you find yourself in places you shouldn't be. I remember a certain king in the book of 2 Samuel from chapter 11 and chapter 12. This king decided one day not to go to war. But the Bible clearly says that it was a period when kings are supposed to go to war. And he decides to stay at home. What happens when you stay at home? If he went to the war, he would have been dressed as a soldier. But the moment he stayed at home, he was putting on casual clothes. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 10, put on the full armor of God so that you may resist. Yes. So, this king decided that I'm not going to war. I'm going to stay at home. So what happened? The devil found something for him to do. You know, when you choose to walk away from God, the devil will celebrate. He'll say, welcome my boy. Welcome my my girl. I was waiting for you. So he found something for him to do. What was that? He started feeding on his desires. Remember the time we were learning about the three traps. This was the time the devil came to the, uh, to the king and started feeding him on his uh, desires. Because he was not where he was supposed to be. And he looks at this woman on a lazy day. A woman bathing. Who does that? Who does that? He's busy uh, looking at this woman, admiring this woman. And I'm sure if it was today, he would have his camera zoomed to take a a closer look, to take a good look at this woman who is bathing, and even possibly share with friends why he was drifting away. He stopped paying close attention. He stopped paying close attention. He was wearing casual clothes. He was not putting on the full armor of God to enable him to stand against the strategies of the devil. What are the strategies of the devil? In this case, the devil puts a woman. He's bathing right in front of you. And then, he goes on, because he was still not paying close attention to the word of God. He goes on to inquire. You know, one thing I like about King David, he never uh, went ahead before inquiring from the Lord. If he was facing an enemy, an enemy, remember at Ziklag, he had to inquire, should we pursue the enemy? Why he didn't want to pursue an enemy if God didn't want him to? So this time, he inquired about the woman did he inquire from the Lord? No. This time he chose not to inquire from the but he still inquires. He still finds out. He still wants to check who this woman is. And then he's told he's somebody else's wife. And you think he would stop after finding out. What does he do? He goes ahead to invite the woman. Now to feed his uh, desire. He invites the woman. So, yesterday uh, when we came for the, for the uh, ministry here at church, uh, my sister Naomi was sharing. So, uh, there's a point that she said, uh, Eve gave the, uh, the, the fruit to, the, to Adam, isn't it? But Adam had the freedom to deny. To say, no, I'm not going to take this food. God clearly said that we should not eat. So stop blaming us, women. Please stop blaming us. We are tired of that blame. That it was the woman, it was the woman. This time around, tables have turned. It is the man now asking a married woman to come to bed with him. The woman had a choice. He should have said no. You wonder why young, young ladies go out with a 50-year-old man. They know he's a married man. And they think he loves them. They think he's going to take care of them. He has left his family. He's abandoning his family for you. David found out that Bathsheba was a married woman. And he went ahead. And she also knew, I'm married. My husband is at war. But she, wa- she still goes to the palace. Who doesn't want to go to the palace? Who doesn't want to be the first lady? Why all this happened when David lost uh, his focus? When he stopped paying close attention to what God uh, wanted him to do. When you lose your focus, when you you you, you 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 the enemy will find something for you to do. You may say I'm not going to church, but there'll be something that you give you to do, keep you busy. You wear casual clothes uh, on a on a holiday, uh, the, the, the past holiday, the labor holiday. Uh, we were teasing the pastor. He was wearing his suit on holiday. He was on duty. We were not on duty. We were wearing casual clothes. What am I trying to say? When you feel you are not on duty, you wear anything. There's no point for you to dress up. Who are you dressing up to? You just wear anything. What does it mean? You stop whether you are putting on your full armor. Putting on your full armor means you are wearing the belt of truth. You are carrying the shield of faith. It means you are carrying the uh, you are wearing the shoes of the gospel. You are sharing the gospel all the time, remembering who you are, and you are carrying your sword around, the sword of the spirit. Meaning you are studying the word of God. Are you studying the word of God? Do you find time to be on your own with your God? So in other words, David became prayerless. He focused on his desires in a moment where he was supposed to be fighting for, uh, for Israel. Leading the armies of Israel. He chose to stay at home. And you know, in James chapter 1, verse 13... Uh, to 15, he talks about the, uh, the, the, how the t- temptation comes. Temptation itself, it's not a sin. It starts with a desire. And then when that desire matures, it leads to sin. Then sin, death. or David, it was a desire. I don't want to go. Today I don't feel like going. I'll stay at home. I will ask Joab to lead the armies. Taking your responsibility, handing it over to a child. Leaving your responsibility to the maid. Leaving your responsibility to your juniors. When it comes to prayer, it is you and God. It is not a responsibility that you can hand over. You have to carry out your duty yourself. Instead of looking uh, away from sin, Instead of learning away, as the Bible says, we should learn away, he looked into it. He took time to enjoy the beauty of this woman, this married woman who was bathing nearby. I can go on and on about David, but let's move on to the next point, and that is warning against unbelief, which is in Hebrews chapter three, verse seven, from verse seven warning against unbelief in Hebrews chapter 3 uh, verse 7. It says, So, as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion during the time of testing in the desert, where your fathers tested and tried me for 40 years. So what I did, I did, they tried him for, for four days. although they saw what God did for those four years. That is why I was angry with that generation. And I said, their hearts are always going astray and they have not known my ways. So I declared an oath in my anger. They shall never enter my rest. Verse 12, see to it, brothers, that none of you has a sinful heart sinful and believing heart that turns away from the living God. Verse 13, I'll come back to that verse, verse 13 later. But encourage one another daily, as long as it is called, what? Today. So that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Hallelujah. So we look at the key words there. It says, uh, do not harden your heart. What does it mean to harden your heart? When you harden your heart, it means you stop caring. It doesn't concern you. Even if people tell you, you don't care. And God is looking at how the the children of Israel behaved in the desert. 40 years, God was busy showing the miracles. Since you got saved, how many miracles has God been showing in your life? And he felt incited. It was a slap in his face that these people for 40 years they were wearing shoes that were never wearing out. Clothes did not wear out for 40 years. Can you believe it? Wearing the same design for 40 years? I don't know what the women were thinking, but I don't know that suits well with a woman. Because a woman likes variety. But for them, it did not matter. They were eating manna, food that was coming down from heaven. They didn't have to wait for it. They would go out every day and take what was enough. If they complained about water, God would perform a miracle and water would gush out from a rock. And still, these people, once they, uh, the need has been made, they started, they forgot and started complaining and clamoring and murmuring. Why did you take us out from Egypt? Why did we have to come here? Were there no graves? And all that, that is an insult. Forgetfulness is an insult. So God was angry. He sweared that these people are not going to enter my rest. They did not see the promised land. Hallelujah. So he goes on to say, See to it, brothers, that none of you has a sinful and believing heart that turns away from the Lord. So, we were defining how, what it means to harden the heart. And now, let's look at it, turning away. What does it mean to turn away? Turning away from God. Uh, the way you would understand this uh, is uh, look at it, what politicians do. Especially during the year of uh, campaign. This word, turning away, means falling away. It means defection. It means rebellion. Abandonment. You withdraw your support from the candidate you were supporting. You withdraw your support from the cause. And then what do you do? You join the opposing side. That's what it means to turn away. You were already here on the good side. And then, from nowhere, your starts, your heart starts uh, hardening. You start becoming comfortable with sin. You start compromising. All of a sudden, you start opposing God. You start rebelling. You start going the wrong direction. So, the the Hebrew writer says, do not uh, be, uh, I mean, none of you should have a sinful heart. See to it. Meaning, make sure it is our responsibility that we should not let anyone to have a sinful heart that turns away from God. We should not entertain it. That's what he say. Don't entertain it. See to it. Don't entertain this. And you know, when, some, when, when uh, the brothers are trying to take heed of this instruction, You see to it that you are not falling away. That you are not... What do you do? You become defensive. You start making excuses. You start becoming angry, resentful. So, it is our responsibility. The Hebrew writer is speaking to us that we should see to it that no one turns away from God. You know what happens when someone uh, joins the opposition party. I don't want to mention any name of a party. But you see, it's a colorful ceremony. They make sure the TV is there. They make sure everyone knows that we have, we have won the big fish from the, uh, the side of the, the enemy. They will announce so and so, and they, they give them their regalia. A colorful ceremony. And you see it on the, in all the newspapers. That's what the devil does. There is celebration, just as there is celebration in heaven when one sinner comes to know the Lord. There is also celebration in the camp of the enemy when you rebel against God. He says with one, with one pastor, He's now on our side. Pastor is busy uh, committing adultery. pastor is busy into corruption. So if they win a pastor, that is a great victory for them. They should celebrate it. They should announce it. Make it known. What does it mean to turn away from God? It means to sever your relationship with the Lord. To withdraw from your union with Christ. You withdraw from your true faith what you have believed all along. What you have known to be true. You start withdrawing. You start feeling this is useless. In Psalm 73 uh, if you go and read that psalm, sometimes I laugh when I read that psalm. Psalm 73. Um, I'm just reminded here, it's not part of my notes, but I'm just reminded what uh, the psalmist said. He said,
0: I had nearly lost my foothold." I want to turn to it. May we please
1: turn to Psalm 73. He says, surely, God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost slipped. I had nearly lost my footboard. Why? Why was he losing it? He says, for I envied the arrogant. When I saw the prosperity of the wicked, you know, the wicked are prospering. They are building good houses. They are cutting corners to get ahead in life. So this psalmist said, when he saw that, he envied it. He envied them. Let's, let's move on. And in verse 4 it says, They have no struggles. Their bodies are healthy and strong. They are free from the burdens common to man. They are not plagued by human ills. Therefore, pride is their necklace. They clothe themselves with violence. From their callous hearts comes iniquity. The evil consists of their minds, know no limits. They scoff and speak with malice. In their arrogance, they threaten oppression. Their mouths lay claim to heaven, and their tongues take possession of the earth. Therefore, their people tend to them. You know how we tend to people that are not fearing God. We start envying them. We look at their cars. We say, wow. So why and there? You don't know. You don't know. It's not a reason for you to slip away, to drift away from the Lord, to lose your faith. Don't envy the arrogant. And he says And they say in verse 11. How can God know? Does the Most High have knowledge? You know, they start despising God. That's what the arrogant do. And you are envying them? The Bible says the fool says in his heart there is no God. You envy a fool? Do you envy a fool? Is that a reason to slip away? Is that a reason to get discouraged? And he went on and on and on and on. And verse 13, this is the saddest part. Verse 13, it says, surely in vain have I kept my heart pure. I was offered this deal. I have, why have I kept my heart pure? Surely in vain have I kept my hand pure. In vain have I washed my hands in innocence. All day long, I have been plagued. My foot was say, one go a If I had only said yes to that man, he was rich. Yes, he had he was married, but but then he
0: could have taken good care of me. He had enough to go around. <laughs> so he, he reaches the point where he says, Surely I have kept my heart pure in vain. Should you not
1: you should not reach that point? Don't reach that point. Don't allow yourself to envy the arrogant. People that are building mansions from stolen money. Even COVID money. Imagine. How sad is that? Feeding your children on stolen money? Can you feel proud? Taking your children to good schools, but on stolen money? How can you feed your children on stolen money? Don't envy the arrogant. Don't envy the proud. Don't envy people who do not fear God. It's not in vain. When we trust God, it's not in vain. He may not come through, but he will surely come through. When the Hebrew young men, uh, the uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, were about to be thrown in the fiery furnace, we are told that the fire's furnace was made ten times hotter than it really was. They added more, more, so that when they throw them, They should burn. It was meant to scare them. To make them shudder. To make them give up on their resolution. But they were resolute. They said oh king even if our God does not come to rescue us we will still not bow down. Hallelujah. In other words he was saying I would rather die than worship an idol. I would rather die than take money that does not belong to me. You inquire where, what is the source of this money, just like David inquired about the woman, and they tell you, this is COVID money, we're supposed to give allowances, just sign here, my brother. And you, went, you go ahead to sign. Why? You have stopped paying attention, close attention. So, he, if you go back to this serf, uh, the writer of this psalm, this is Asaph, he finally understood in the end, he was not always, uh, he did not continue to, to envy the arrogant. He said, uh, he understood it, that the Lord has set a date for them. There will be a time it may look like now they are prospering, things are working out, but there'll be a day. There'll be a day. Um, uh, verse 17, it says, Till I entered the sanctuary. That's when it got revelation. That's when I understood their final words destiny. Surely, you place them on a slippery ground. You cast them down to ruin. So, this is the verse, uh, the chapter, that talks about uh, uh, verse 24, uh, 23. Yet I'm always with you. You hold me by my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, and afterward, you take me into glory. It may look like it's taking forever, but there's something good at the end of it all. And he goes on to say, Whom I have, have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire. Those things he was envying the arrogant. It's nothing. I like what Pastor, Pastor always said, Pastor McDuff, that all these things that we
0: toil for, when that day comes, they will not cross over to that other land. They will stay here. All your papers. Those
1: who be burnt. No matter how hard you you toiled for them. I'm not saying the papers are useless. But I'm saying they will not take you to eternity. They will stay here. And he also says, the money that you store up will be shared. How sad is that? You will not be here, but let's let's have this knowledge while we are still alive. That whatever we are accumulating, we'll leave it. People will scramble for it. They will even... Uh, deny your children a chance to go to good schools. They will tell them, why were you? uh, your mother was pampering you? We cannot afford to take you to that school. Why don't you just go to government school? You can even go to a CTSS. They will tell them that. But what will go to eternity is the work that we do for Christ. What we have invested in the kingdom of God. That was just a diversion. Let's go back to what we were talking about. (laughs) Hallelujah.
0: Hallelujah.
1: God is good. So, when you stop paying close attention to the word of God, you start drifting away. You stop living, you stop uh, living, leading your quiet time. How many of us are still doing quiet time? We are busy. You know, the things that stop us from... uh, The things that stop us from having quiet time, sometimes are the same blessings God has given us. You were in the presence of God because you needed a job. And God provided a job. Now you are busy. Ah, my job is giving me peace. I can't find time to pay. Really? You wanted a child God has given you. Ah, my child, you know, I can't get up there. I stay up all night. I can't meet God the very same blessings have become a stumbling block to your com- communion with God.
0: Some of us, it's because we feel God is not treating us fairly, He's not answering.
1: And then you feel, why should I care? Why should I care? Go back to Psalm 73. You will find why you should care.
0: Hallelujah.
1: What happened when you lose your first love? Revelation 2, chapter 4. He's talking to the church of Ephesians. You have lost your first love. Remember the day you, fall, you fell in love for the first time. Those of us, the old timers, when there were not, no cell phones whatsoever, that is for Pastor Macduff and some of us who are old. It's not for, it's not for children. It's not... <laughs> You know, you would write a letter, full-scarf letter, back uh, from this side to the other side, another one, and then your lover will still be reading that letter until he gets another one. Hallelujah. You will not stop reading. All these fantasies, they're there. Whether they were true or not, don't ask me. But someone telling you that I don't sleep when I think about you, and then the next the next minute he tells you I was dreaming about you. How do you dream without sleeping? Tell me, how is that possible? But then, because you were in love, you did not question, you believed it that when he's thinking about me, he doesn't sleep. That's what first love can do. When you came to the Lord for the first time. You remember the experience? How you wanted to read the word of God. How you wanted to spend time with him. If there was a night of prayer. You would go to any night of prayer. You would toil the whole night. If there was time to go and reach out. You are there. You would pump in your money. You would do all you can.
0: That was just enough. What happened? What happened? You got so busy. How do you know when your, your party is drifting? Are there signs? Is it something obvious?
1: You write them a message on WhatsApp, two, three days later, it's still not opened. Hey, my friend, it's about time you know that this is not going to work out. This person has left my life. He's no longer in my life. Someone find ten missed calls and they don't call you back? It's time to know. Do you think God knows when we, we, we are drifting away? When we have lost our first love? Some of us have treated his, his number. We don't call him. We no longer call him. We have blocked him. He has been badlisted. listed. We don't really take time to spend quality time with him. The pastor was challenging us in the class about quiet time. These are the basic things we knew. And we are no longer doing them. Why? We have lost our first love. We no longer feel the same way. That's what losing your first love is. You no longer feel the same way you felt about this person. You no longer feel the same way. You simply don't care anymore. What are some of the signs? Prayerlessness. You don't go to pray. I'm not talking about it. this prayer we, we pray when uh, like we want to eat. But I'm talking about that little prayer. When you spend quality time with God, you become prayerless. You know, when you neglect your communication with God, your Heavenly Father, your, the Lord Jesus, the one who died for you, The moment you stop stop having that personal relationship, that's the time you stop, you start drifting
0: away from you. People will
1: be surprised how you have fallen, but the Lord knows when it's all started. You stay with your partner and you don't communicate. What will happen to that relationship after a month? It will die. That's the same way God feels about us. He wants us to communicate with him, he wants us to commune with him. If you don't take time to read his love letter to you again and again, what will happen? The word of God is bread of life. When you don't read the word of God, you are starving your spirit. This, uh, some of us, we may look uh, plump, we may look healthy, but the spiritual man, the inner man, is very thin. He's being starved. It's not being feared, the spiritual word. The word of God is light. How can you walk in the dark and not step on scorpions? The word of God is a mirror. You read that in James chapter 1, verse 23. It's a mirror where you look yourself into. Uh, I remember Pastor McDuff giving an example on the mirror. That when you don't look yourself in the mirror, it's embarrassing when someone comes to tell you, There is something on your nose. You know what I mean. You feel so embarrassed. It's the same way when you don't look into the mirror of the Word of God. There will be things on your face. There will be things in your life. The tempers. The hopelessness or the helplessness that comes with it. It's dangerous. The Word of God is the water. It's the living water. If you stay for seven days without drinking water, what happens to your body? It's dangerous. You cannot live without water. The body is made up uh, a, good, a good percentage of our body uh, it's, it's made up of water. If you don't drink water if you don't drink the word of God what happens to you spiritually? The psalmist said my soul thirsts for you. My soul thirsts for you like uh, a deer pants for the water. Hallelujah. And design number three is when you don't spend time fellowshipping with other believers. You simply stop gathering together with your fellow believers. You find yourself being bored bored with church activities or church related activities. They tell you there's a meeting for the women. You say, no, I'll be busy, you know. You start even creating funerals that are not there. I think on this day I'll go to a funeral. My dear, it's three weeks away. How do you know there'll be a funeral? That's a sign. Why is it that you don't want to fellowship? You are drifting away from the Lord. We will not be surprised the next time we hear Mrs. Zukonu
0: has done this sign. Why?
1: It did not start start there. It started way back when I started drifting away. And stopped paying attention and turned my heart away from God and joined the opposition side, the camp of the enemy. They celebrated my coming back. They reclaimed me. Why not celebrate?
0: Hallelujah.
1: (laughs) Things that used to bother you, they don't bother you. Sign number four. If, it is, if this sin was a bother to you, now you, you say, it's okay, you start tolerating, you start compromising, you begin to compromise. That's a sign. When you don't feel the same anger you felt
0: at sin, like David, it means you are on your way. You are drifting
1: away from the Lord. Because as a Christian, we are supposed to hate what God hates and love what God loves. And the point number five, sign number five, is the word of God does not affect you anymore. When you are drifting away, you harden your heart. When you hear his voice, you don't even pay attention. You stop caring. Why you are drifting away, you no longer care to share the word of God. How many of us have been sharing the word of God? There are people in our offices that need to hear the message. People in our homes, the workers, in our families, our brothers and sisters. Have we shared the word of God with them? Remember when you were just beginning? You had love. You wanted everyone to know. Now you don't want people to know. Hallelujah. You were in fire for Jesus. You are no longer on fire. You are lukewarm. You are just sitting on their face, like Pastor Sunga put it. You are not here, you are not there. You are just in between. There's no middle ground. Hallelujah. Now, uh, because of time, let's move on to look at the exhortations um, that are there. I said warnings and what? Exhortations. The encouragement. The letter says.
0: Letters. Hebrews 33, Verse 13. It says, uh, Hebrews 3, Hebrews 3 from verse 12 and 13 up to 14. See to it, brothers, see to it is back again. Make sure.
1: See to it, brothers, that none of you has a sinful heart. And believing heart that turns away from the living God. Okay? So verse 13 says, but let us encourage one another how many times? Mm-hmm. Daily. Daily. Why do we need encouragement daily? There are so many discouraging things around. We need to be encouraged. So he says, Let us encourage one another daily. Make an effort, a deliberate effort, a step to encourage someone. I like what uh, my brother, Ibo, does. Every time we, we hear the message, throughout the week, you'll be positive. You'll be positive. Even if he was not in church, you would still find out that he followed the message, what was preached. How many of us follow? When we miss church, we are, we are done. We'll see each other next week. You know, I deliberately uh, paid attention when the other Sunday was not here. So I, I, so I said, I'm going to see if this man will continue posting. And here he was posting. Why? He took time. He said, I miss church, but that's not an excuse. I can still get the message. You now go to all right. So he says, we should encourage one another daily. We can encourage one another with, six, with psalms, with spiritual songs. Just give a call. Just find out, check on them, what, how they are doing. In January and February, the pastor was checking on us daily. I don't know if you were checked, but I was. You would check on us to find out how we were doing. That was the scary time. You even felt like this is how the Egyptians felt on that night. When the angel of death was passing by. You know, I don't, I don't want to go back to January and February. I don't want to go back there. Why is he saying that? He says, as long as it is God what? Today. Because we only have today. Tomorrow is not promised to us. None of us know whether we'll be there tomorrow. The past month has taught us that. The
0: past three months after covid there there came accidents. We were just punishing. So tomorrow is not promised to us, but today. Today, let's do
1: something. Let's encourage someone. So that none of you, we are trying to make sure that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. That's what the word of God says. You know, you reach a point where you become comfortable with sin. Your heart has become hardened. It does not care at all whether this is sin, whether this is stealing. We give it another name. It's just a misappropriation of us. It's just an MG2. Those are first, the first names we give to sin. So, it is our responsibility,
0: brothers, that we see to it that none of us has a heart. That is heading toward God. Another letter is Hebrews 4 verse 15. Uh, this, uh, this one I'm going to
1: the, 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 the exact point I'm trying to make is on verse 16 but for context sake I'll read from verse uh, 15. Hebrews 4 it's my favorite verse. Brother uh, Sunga knows there's a song I love from that verse. He walked where I walk. He stood where I stand. He felt what I feel. He understands. That's the verse I love. And he says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way. Look at the temptation Jesus faced. In uh, John chapter, I mean uh, Matthew chapter four, in the wilderness, he was tempted in every way. You talk about wealth. Someone is dangling uh, the keys in front of you. Someone is telling this is easy money. My dear, you can build a house in a week. He was tempted in every way. The devil made sure that I'll give you all this if you only but bow down. So he was tempted in every way. He knows every pain we go through. He lost a friend. His friend died, Lazarus. And when he went to his funeral, he cried. He wept for him. He knows the pain of losing a loved one. He understands it fully. He did not have a house. When you don't have a house, Jesus did not have a house. He understands you when you tell him, Lord, it's frustrating. I'm tired of paying rent. What is he saying? He understands. He's been there before. He was rejected. Some of us have been rejected by our own brothers. Jesus was rejected by his own brothers, his own family. You will understand when you say, everyone in my family doesn't want to talk to me. You will understand that because why he's been there before. Hallelujah. What a friend we have in Jesus. He's a friend who understands all our weaknesses. When he came to the Garden of Gethsemane, He was praying to the Father, let this cup pass me by. What is that to you? Have you ever reached a point where you don't want this to come? And then he says, not yet, not as I will, but your will be done. He will understand you. When you say, Lord, I can't take any more. It's too much. He will understand because he has had too much already. He knows what it means to have too much. He is a friend who identifies with us. He was in this body. So he was tempted in every way. Yet, we sinned, but he did not sin. He was without sin. So let's come to the exhortation now. Chapter 4, verse 16. He says, now let us approach the throne of grace with what? Confidence, boldness. We are not coming to someone who will say "Ah, my dear, even in this you are falling because of this. He will not say that. We can come confidently. We know he will not despise us. He will not say what were you thinking. He will sympathize with us. He will sympathize to put himself in your shoes, to understand. Empathize. Let us approach the throne of grace with Confidence, not timidity, with, not with fear, so that we may receive what? Mercy and find what? Grace to help us in our time of need. Hallelujah. What else do you need? Hallelujah. So that is another exhortation, that is another encouragement from the book of Hebrews. Another encouragement is found in Hebrews 10, verse 23. 24 and 25. Hebrews 10, verse 23,
0: 24, and 25. What does the Bible say? He says, uh, my
1: my Bible has a title. It says a call to persevere. I wish we had the time. I wish we could go face by verse and just get it all. He says in verse 23 Let us hold unswervingly unshakenly. Let us not be shaken. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess and for he who promised for he who promised is what? Faithful. We should not be shaken. Even when he tarries, it doesn't mean he has forgotten about you. He tarried to respond to Mary and Martha. When they called upon you, Master, the one you love is sick. They even used the the term, the one you love, to make Jesus leave whatever he was doing. It's like enticing him, manipulating him. They manipulated Jesus. But even their manipulation did not work. Jesus did not go there. Why? Because he had a greater purpose. His purpose was not just to heal a sickness. He could do more. If he only healed a sickness, he would not have made headlines in Jerusalem newspaper. Jerusalem times, God, Jerusalem, uh, the nation of Jerusalem. He wanted something that would make headlines. A sickness, yes. Uh, someone who say even 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 uh, a church a, 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 a disciple can heal a sickness. He wanted more. He wanted to show he has power over death. He has the keys over death and hell. So he waited. Maybe he's waiting for that moment. That the miracle should be spectacular. He's waiting for that moment. That it should not just be an ordinary miracle. It may delay, he may delay, he may not show forth on according to you on time. But he's working on time. He's never late. He will show up. He will show up like he did with Nazareth. He took four days and he was already decomposing. But he went there and he proved that. He is not just man, he is God. He has power over death. He has power over sin. He has power over creation. He could walk on water. You know, Jesus did not just perform miracles just for for the sake of performing miracles. Sometimes I wonder when people are uh, saying that, ah, ah, your name, I know your name, your name is Rose. Your house number 23, you are in area 18. Why are we performing these miracles? For Jesus to perform a miracle, he wanted to demonstrate to us a number of things, that he has power over death and sin. It was not just a demonstration, that he has power over creation, that he could command creation, that he could provide out of nothing, something out of nothing. It was not just to make a name for himself. All those miracles that Jesus performed, if he went to a a, a wedding and found there was no no wine, he performed a miracle. He provided, but he also said he's a God who is there in good and bad times for us. Hallelujah. When we are celebrating, invite Jesus to be there in the celebration. He will make it better. Ten times better than it really was. He wanted us to know him. It was not just a matter of performing. So, he says, "Let us hold on unswervingly." Yes, whatever you are going through is shaking your faith. It's shaking your faith to the core. It's taking time. It's taking a toll on you. But he says, "Let us hold on. Hold on." These Christians were being persecuted. We have never been persecuted to that level. In fact, when you read this, um, in verse thirty-two, in from verse thirty-two, the same uh, chapter, chapter ten. Verse thirty two. Remember those earlier days after you had received the light, when you stood your ground in great contest in the face of what? Suffering. He's reminding them. Sometimes you were publicly exposed to insult and persecution. At other times you stood you side by side with those who were so treated. You sympathized with those in prison and joyfully accepted confiscation of your property. Has it ever reached to that level for us? Because you knew that you, you yourself had better and lasting what? Possession. Yes. So, do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what has been promised. For in just a little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. My righteous one will live by faith. We are living by faith. And if he shrinks back, I will not be pleased with him.
0: Hallelujah. So, hold on.
1: Tell yourself to hold on. To continue in the faith. It's not worth losing your hope or your foothold. Verse 24, it says, let us consider. Verse uh, 24 of chapter 10. We are back to the letters. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward what? Love and good deeds. We should encourage one another. We should spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Encourage one another good deeds. Let us go to women's. Today they are meeting young ladies. Yesterday we had a wonderful time. Young uh, young ladies who were here, we were challenged. But what I was encouraged more was to see some uh, women who had been there before sharing their experience and you know when someone is telling you out of their experience even their painful or shameful experience you know that is genuine and that has effect on the one listening if you tell them i've been there before i know what you, what you're going through i understand you they are not condemning you they are not judging you that's what happened yesterday you see ladies we, whom we respect They uh, they were saying, I've been there, I've done that. So, we should encourage one another. Let's go, let's go. Some of us, we just came.
0: But someone was encouraged because of our coming. The good deeds, that will cross over to the other side. All these other things. If you go,
1: you invite me to go for a kitchen job, we will go and have fun. But that will end here. That can end here. For me, let's go out and preach somewhere. We'll take those gifts to eternity. Who will show lives before God that these are the people that I brought with me. You know, the only person that has a very good reason to go before God without any, with empty hands is the man who was saved on the cross. That one. That one, I don't think even God will, will take time to ask him to question. What did you do with your life?
0: I don't think so. It would be unfair. Because
1: he was saved, the next minute he was in heaven. What about you? What excuse do we have?
0: Hallelujah.
1: And then there's another letter in verse 25. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. But let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. What better encouragement do you need? I remember when I lost my brother on 1st February. It was hard. It was painful. I went throughout the whole week asking God questions. Why questions? That never gets answered.
0: My heart was
1: broken. And on Sunday, I really struggled to come to church.
0: But I came.
1: And uh, that Sunday, we came early for the uh, intercession. But I walked in here and sat there. I didn't have any strength to stand up. I was just in my pain, in a lot of pain, asking God, why would he go at such a time at this time? So it was uh,
0: at that point, um, that day it was the brother Jalamand who was leading. He was leading the prayers. You know, he read from Psalm Thirty-One. one, he
1: read from another book in Isaiah, I was encouraged. He read a number of verses, and it was as if God had sent him to speak to me. I was encouraged, imagine had I stayed home, and to, to add ice to the cake. The pastor prayed for me, personally. He invited those of us who were grieving. I was ministered unto, I, was, I felt so very much encouraged. You know I wanted to stay home. The temptation was high. To just stay at home and feel sorry for myself. I had lost a father figure in my brother. But I encouraged myself to come to church. Don't stop the meeting together. Do not stop. This is where you get encouragement. This is where someone will tell you it's not worth it to give up. My brother, you've come a long way. Hold on. The Lord is taking care of your your issue. This is where we find the strength, the courage. Yes, we may feel justified. We may have good reasons for, with it, uh, for drawing away from God, drifting away from God. We may have all those justified reasons. But today, God wanted to remind us as it is called today, you can renew your commitment to God. You can go back And start doing the right things. And holding on. I wish we could go on and on. And look at the other warnings. But this moment. God wants to remind us. It's not worth losing the first love. We may face all the dangers. uh, The challenges of life. But God wants us to come back. You know why he's speaking to us about being lukewarm? God wants us to decide. We can no longer afford to be lukewarm. To be undecided. One leg in the world, one leg in the things of the Lord. We can no longer afford to do that. We need to make up our minds. We need to renew our love. We need, we need to put the priority. To put, uh, we, uh, to put God as our priority. And block God. Some of us have, un- have blocked God. Unblock him. He needs you. He wants to come in. He's been trying your number. He's been knocking. He's been trying to commun- commune with you. To have a relationship. Remember you went to look for Adam. You went to look for Adam in the garden. He's looking for you. He's looking for me. He does not give up. There is nothing that I'll do that is worse enough to cause God to stop loving me. Nothing that I do can stop him loving me. So I'm blocking. Call, bring him back on your call, lock. Bring him back. Some of you have not only blocked God, you have also blocked your fellow believers. They cannot reach you. We cannot reach you. I cannot be reached because I've blocked you. I don't want you to speak to my life. I don't care anymore. I am comfortable doing the things of the world. I don't want anyone to bother me anymore. That's why I blocked you. I don't want you to be sending me those encouraging messages. I can fend for myself. We have all sorts of those uh, excuses this morning, but I thought, this morning, we can renew our
0: relationship.
1: Those that feel that I've lost my first love, I no longer
0: have five times,
1: I'm always rushing I'm always putting, putting it off, postponing and saying, I'm going to do it this evening. Some of us were praying and we were interceding for others. We no longer do that. God wants us back. He wants to renew that relationship. He wants us back where He can use us. He can send us. He can commune with us. He wants that communion with us. So let us stand up as we sing this old song.